insurance carriers understand that they can't eliminate risk, but they can ensure good risk or they can ensure bad risk. And so by providing them optics into what the data says, here are the, the customers that you have that are taking proactive steps. Welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted, the show dedicated to innovation in the insurance industry. Each episode, you'll get a dose of thought leadership from the industry's top business minds, influencers, innovators, and executive leaders. If you want to transform your corner of the industry and exchange innovative ideas, you need to subscribe to this podcast. Now here's your host, Abel Travis. Hey everyone, welcome to the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast, where we dive deep into insurance innovation. So this episode is the 45th episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. And you know, when I started this podcast last year, I committed to recording just about 52 episodes. Um, And really what I wanted to do was to add to the discourse around innovation in the insurance industry. So, you know, we're about seven episodes away from hitting that 52. Um, You know, I really learned a lot personally this last year as I've engaged with folks like Daniel Schreiber and Timotea and Sabine Vanderlinden and so many others within our great industry. Um, And I also had the chance to, you know, not only speak with folks across the country and internationally, but also engage and get the perspectives of those at conferences and in person at other events in regards to what you see from an insurance innovation perspective. And, you know, it's been a great opportunity and I'm, you know, very hopeful that you all have learned a lot out of this podcast as well. Um, You know, with that said, um, even though I only committed to 52 episodes, you know, I I am committing to continue to do more because for me, you know, I've been in this industry for quite some time and, and I think it's very important not to just work within it, but also to add to the discourse and add to the conversation around what's happening from an innovation perspective and from a transformation perspective in the insurance industry. You know, this is an industry that does so much good and provides so much value to our policyholders and to those that we serve. Um, And, you know, I want to make sure that I have a voice in helping to make that better. Um, And then also, you know, working with you all as listeners, as well as as guests on the podcast to to really, you know, help to improve what we're seeing and what we're executing on in this industry. So, you know, I, I always like to say thank you, but, you know, this wouldn't be a show without you all as listeners and also without the guests that I have on this podcast. So, you know, I do want to say thank you for the time that you're taking to listen, to learn, and then to actually take action based on what you're hearing here today. I truly do appreciate it. So, you know, uh, today our discussion, as I, as I mentioned, it really is focused on innovation as always. Um, but now, you know, we're going to shift to the hardware space and, and talk about wearables. You know, but before we dive into the conversation, I do want to recognize the sponsor of this episode of the podcast, and that's Vortex Legal. Innovation in the insurance field is exciting, and Vortex Legal is a unique and proven solution to help improve a company's loss ratio by substantially reducing legal expenses. Their nationwide network of local attorneys attend the voluminous and routine and predictable hearings for a flat rate, not an hourly rate. So Vortex Legal's solution works with both staff counsel offices as well as outside law firms. They've saved many carriers millions of dollars. So if you want to learn more, just contact Jonathan Broder at 
473-2648 or visit vortexlegal.com. So today I'm speaking with Gabriel Glenn, the chief executive officer of Make You Safe, an organization bringing an innovative solution to market that combines wearable devices and a robust software platform to better detect the real-time risks and hazards of everyday life in the workplace. Hey, Gabe, you know, it's a pleasure to have you here on the podcast. Welcome. Abel, you're too kind. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. So you and I actually had uh, the, our first opportunity to uh, to meet in person um, at a conference earlier this year in um, in Silicon Valley. So you know, I just want others to to sort of get a chance to to get a great understanding of you and and just your background and how you came to the sort of uh, the, the development of uh, of Make You Safe and co-founding this organization. So, so if mind, you know, just just talk to me about your path and just you know what compelled you to create a solution like Make You Safe. Oh yeah, I appreciate it, and I think. You know, there's really kind of two Genesis stories here. There's the Genesis story of Make You Safe and how that product came to be. And then there's kind of a secondary Genesis story, which was, you know, how we found ourselves to be an insure tech company and got into insure tech. So I'll take I'll take the first part, um, the uh, the Genesis story of the product really uh, kind of goes back to my upbringing. I grew up around manufacturing. I've lived here in the Midwest my whole life, uh, been in Iowa that whole time and, and grew up in a family with a lot of blue collar workers, exposure to blue collar. My father uh, was a machinist for over 20 years at a factory in Cedar Rapids, Iowa. And that was really my first exposure to manufacturing. And then I kind of went on this sort of weird path. Uh, after college, I got into the startup world about 12 years ago. And I had the good fortune of uh, being an owner of a, a software company where we primarily focused on uh, blue-collar workforces and manufacturing. So, you know, imagine this, you know, Abel, Abel, like 10 years ago, um, 10, 12 years ago, at the turn of the mobile revolution, right, uh, upgrading ERP systems and factories to mobile was like a really cool and innovative thing, mind-blowing, right? It's all table stakes now, but at the time, it, it really got me a chance to get embedded with the manufacturing industry and so fast forward a little while, in 2015, uh, I was able to sell that software company uh, off to a, a larger software company. And at the time, I wasn't exactly sure what I was going to do next or what, uh, what area I was going to go into, but I still had this burning passion around manufacturing. And so uh, before, before we jumped on this call here, we were talking about podcasting. And so I had this kind of crazy idea of starting a podcast around advanced manufacturing, and I had been you know, in and out of factories for years, hearing these amazing stories of how this company that I'm in started 140 years ago making horseshoes. And here they are, you know, four or five generations later, um, still in business, obviously not making horseshoes anymore, but, you know, touchscreen automated grains handling systems and things like that. And I thought, you know, those are really compelling and interesting stories from both a business angle and from a manufacturing angle. And I thought, you know, I think I want to start a podcast and start recording some of this history. And uh, so I got the opportunity to uh, buy some equipment from my church as they were upgrading some of their audio equipment. And I started this little podcast called the Advanced Manufacturing Podcast. And I thought, really, you know, nobody's going to listen to this thing. But, you know, what the hell, I'll, I'll put it out there on the Internet anyway, and it'll at least be saved for history. And pretty soon, you know, thousands of people started listening to this thing. And I started getting calls from all over the world from people that were hearing this podcast. And they just really loved uh, these stories of manufacturing and, uh, and company history. 
And it just kind of exploded on me. Well, it was really that podcast that led to Make You Safe. Uh, so I mentioned my my father was a machinist for 23 years. Well, a- after that, he went on to be a safety manager at a facility uh, here in Iowa. And so I kind of got exposed to the safety side of things. And one day I'm out touring manufacturing plants and I'm in this facility and the, and the employees are wearing these funny looking devices on their uniform. And I asked the gentleman, you know, what's going on? And he said that they're being audited uh, by a regulatory body because one of their employees had experienced hearing loss. And so they were going through this audit process to determine if the employees had been exposed to uh, dangerous levels of sound in the facility. And and so uh, that piqued my interest. And I started asking questions around, you know, what types of environmental conditions impact employees' health and safety and, and work happiness what things are governed by rules and laws, and uh, what, is, what is the current process for how uh, companies can monitor this stuff and, uh, and how they handle the process of reporting and things like that. And so uh, at that time, it was kind of that aha moment of seeing and hearing you know, the archaic process of bringing an outside company into a facility once a year to do testing and just assuming that the environment's going to be the same and unchanged uh, the other 364 days. And so at that point, I uh, reached out to a friend of mine, Mark Frederick, and he was at IBM at the time, had been for about a decade in their IoT and cloud computing department. And I presented the problem to him and I said, hey, I've, I've done some research and I found out that more than a thousand people a day die in work accidents. And, that, and those are people that don't go home to their families at the end of the day. And I thought, you know, I wonder how much of this could be uh, corrected by tracking and monitoring environmental conditions because I believe that a confluence of conditions in the environment can be leading to leading indicators to these accidents, right? Whether it's fatigue or things like that that come from environmental conditions. And so really that was the genesis of, of Make You Safe and the idea that we need to create a product that can be constantly monitoring these environmental conditions and the things that are impacting the workers but that we also needed to do it from directly on each individual worker so we could get a better picture of what each of our workers are facing and so that we can tailor solutions, whether it's PPE or training or delivery of other resources to these employees on an individual basis instead of just assuming that everybody in the facility was experiencing the same environment. So Gabe, just just uh, talk to me about specifically, you know, uh, in, in the audience, you know, what, what are the specific types of things that uh, your um, product and, and the, the, the underlying platform, you know, what are the things that you guys are monitoring? Um, and then how are these, let's say, manufacturing facilities ensuring that, uh, you know, their um, organizations and their employees are, are, are maintaining some level of safety through the use of your product? Yeah, well, uh, I think the timing is really good here. We just, uh, uh, after two years of work, we just uh, were awarded our patent on the product. So I, I can speak a little more freely about uh, the components and things that we're working with. But certainly, you know, sound was what inspired uh, this device. And so that was one of the first things we started with was how do we create a device that can act as a full dosimeter and track the time-weighted average of an employee's exposure. And really the idea behind the device is to identify uh, near misses in facilities and near misses are the almost accidents. And, and what we discovered through research and um, what uh, regulatory bodies like OSHA have discovered through research is these almost accidents uh, are leading indicators to, to accidents to come. And so we knew that if we could gather more data around these, we'd be, we'd be better off. And so, you know, sound is one of those, you know, knowing that an employee has been on shift for, 
you know, only three hours, but yet they've been exposed to 95% of what the allowable dose would be for an employee for the day. Um, you know, that's, that's getting close to that threshold. That's a near miss. And so uh, detecting things like that, we're testing for air quality using a total volatile organic compound sensor. We're, we're tracking heat, hum, uh, humidity. Um, we're tracking uh, motion, human motion, right, to detecting slips, trips, and falls. Um, using machine learning algorithms to decipher the data that comes from accelerometers. Uh, we track location, so we understand where the location of these incidents are occurring uh, and who they're occurring with. And so, really, it, uh, it, it tracks quite a variety of things around the, the physical environment. And what I like to tell people is, really, the device is designed to, uh, to look outward. It's not to look inward at the employee, and we're not, and we're not tracking uh, biometrics and things that would be HIPAA-covered or you know, things that would, would provide, you know, pause for an employee or concern for an employee about what we'd be tracking. It's, it's really outward facing. It's looking at the environment around them and what's going on in their environment that really could be affecting their, their, their health and safety and, and productivity. And so then all of that data, uh, Abel, goes back to our platform, which our platform is called Make You Smart. And that platform is, is really kind of broken down into two things. We have safety intelligence and we have safety analytics. And so our safety analytics platform provides insights like any other type of analytics platform you would imagine, right? Like a Google Analytics or things like that. So we take all of these millions of data points that we gather and we provide optics and metrics around, you know, the things that are happening in the facility as it relates to the things that we're tracking. Uh, and then we said, you know, it's great that we're providing all of these tools to kind of slice and dice the data but with machine learning and what we can do with machine learning now, it would be great if we could just process a lot of that data and use the machine learning to help identify what we call high impact trends or hits. And that's the, the safety analytic or the safety intelligence side of the dashboard. And so we use that machine learning to identify the trends in the facility that are saying, hey, here are the things that are starting to creep up that we think represent the most amount of risk to a, a worker or group of workers or to an area of the facility. Um, and then we can go even deeper into that. So when a, when a high impact trend is identified, a, uh, a safety manager or operations manager uh, can drill in on that hit and they can see you know, all the data around it, who's been involved in this, where is it happening in the facility? And we said, let's take it a step further yet and start providing them remediation actions. How are they actually going to take some action within the facility to help reduce that risk that's been identified? And in a lot of cases, these remediation actions or remediation tools and resources are provided by folks like their insurance carrier or folks at, at uh, organizations like um, uh, health and safety organizations, national health and safety organizations, or even product companies, companies that have products and tools to help uh, alleviate the, the issues that have been identified. So that's really kind of the dashboard side of things and how this data really gets digested by the end users. When I think about that, Gabe, you know, so I think about the a multi, uh, sort of multifold in regards to uh, what your value proposition is and what you're accomplishing, you know, not only for the manufacturing facilities, but on the data side, you know, you're collecting so many data points at, at so many, you know, different time intervals that that richness of information can help 
organizations like either financial companies, insurance carriers, or other types of carriers that might have use for this data, whether it's within um, their pricing or to help the facilities mitigate their exposure to loss, right? So, you know, as I, as I think about how that capability can be leveraged, you know, I also re- realize that you all are now delving into the world of InsureTech and can essentially be considered an InsureTech yourself, right? So, you know, number one, how did you get into sort of that, uh, that definition of being an InsureTech? Um, and then, you know, where is the value um, for insurance organizations that's hoping to engage with you um, as you're providing this capability to their policyholders in manufacturing or in other uh, segments? Yeah, great question. That'll help me kind of close the loop on that second half of the Genesis story. And, you know, really, so when I started the company, obviously, I was focused on how do I make lives for guys like my father easier, right? How do I provide them tools to gain insights into things that they never had access to before. But on top of that, I was thinking, how do I help them with the day-to-day that they face, right? With the with the paperwork and the compliance and the reporting and regulatory and all that kind of stuff. So in the early days, Abel, we were really focused, uh, focusing Make You Smart on, on serving those people. And fast forward about a year into the project as we'd been beta testing in facilities here around central Iowa, uh, and I'm a little embarrassed to admit this. It's kind of funny, but I've, I've served as a mentor at the Global Insurance Accelerator here in Des Moines. Not that I'm embarrassed about that, but I'm embarrassed about the fact that so I got invited to be a mentor there when they were uh, beginning about four years ago. And it was only because of my success in startups and my track record with startups had nothing to do with the insurance side of things. And so when I started Make You Safe, I hadn't drawn that connection. I hadn't drawn the dotted line back to the carrier And so about a year into this, we started getting some coverage in some of the local publications about our product and what we were doing. And we started having folks involved with the Global Insurance Accelerator, you know, my peers that are mentors down there at the GIA, calling me up and saying, wow, we didn't realize you were working on a product to revolutionize worker compensation. And I said, wow, I didn't either, apparently, (laughs) because I didn't think to talk to you guys. And so you know, it was uh, it was kind of that aha moment as they reached out to me and said, "This is something that we think is going to impact us a lot." And so at that point, we said, "All right, well, let's let's get a better understanding of what uh, worker compensation insurance looks like from the inside." So we started collaborating with a variety of carriers and understanding, you know, what are your internal processes? How do you guys communicate with your customers? What types of tools and resources do you use? And what types of data and analytics do you use? And a couple of things emerged from that, Abel. The first was we recognized a a significant opportunity to bridge the communication gap between a carrier and the customers that they they insure for worker compensation. A lot of communication was being done uh, via via email or via via a phone call or or via, um, you know, sending somebody out to the facility. And so... We said, well, what if, what if our platform could serve as a communication tool and a collaboration tool to really get carriers involved in helping to build a safety culture uh, for the customers that, that they insure? And so that was challenge number one for us. And then challenge number two was we discovered that many carriers uh, and even brokers have a pretty substantial amount of resources um, for loss control. So these resources could be... Um, you know, industrial hygienists, ergonomists that they have on staff. Some of them have equipment and tools and training libraries and white papers and all of this stuff 
that they that they've spent a lot of money on to try to reduce the risk inside of the facilities that they insure. But right now, how the industry tends to deploy those resources is based on lagging indicators. They wait for a company that's had a lot of claims to deploy those resources. And by, but by then, there's already this problem going on. There's a carrier that's trying to decide if the customer is worth insuring. There's a customer that's frustrated because they're experiencing losses, and now they're, now they're getting all of this attention uh, from their carrier, and it's viewed as negative. And so we said, well, what if we could take the data that we have, we can process it to identify these high-impact trends, and then we can suggest remediation actions. And many of those remediation actions could actually be resources provided by their carrier. So, for example, if we identified that a specific area of their facility is, is struggling with uh, uh, slips, trips, and falls, uh, a carrier might have a video or a training resource around slips, trips, and falls. And so in our platform, where that safety manager is living his day-to-day, -day, he sees that there's, a, that there's a high impact trend with that being the problem. He clicks on it to dive deeper and sees, here are some suggested remediation actions, one of which is a video provided by my insurance carrier that I can now show to the affected employees and that I can now view and get a little bit better understanding of how I can get control of the situation in the facility. And so what we said is, let's try to deliver these resources proactively based on data instead of how the industry has always done it, which was reactive and based on claims. I, I think uh, when you start looking at where the insurance industry is going, I, I think it's, you're, you, you have it spot on. Um, you know, I think the industry is, is trying to get to the point where you know, they can um, assess uh, some opportunities within their portfolios to be more proactive in mitigating risk versus you know, uh, being reactive after the claim and then deploying loss control or risk control solutions after the fact, right? So, so if you look 20 years ago, you know, it was always more of a reactive versus a proactive view, and now it's, you know, that, that, that's finally starting to change. Um, you know, and, and I think that's really uh, where the value proposition for your data platform, Make You Smart, comes in. You know, it, it really is to uh, help even you know, carriers that could have um, similar organizations uh, that you all are collecting this information on within their portfolios so they can assess you know how to look at these organizations how to how to assess you know uh, what the performance of these organizations are going to be and then be more proactive across that portfolio and and helping those companies mitigate uh, the the exposure to loss you know so um so so I, I think that that's a, a really you know significant value uh, that your product provides. Uh, for, for, for the insurance um, organization and, and for the insurance space. Now, well, I, you know, I think um, if, I, if you don't mind, I'll jump in there. I think I, yeah, I completely agree with you. And, and one of the things that we found interesting as we started collaborating with carriers is we said, well, it seems to me that there's an, an opportunity for us to create a, a second dashboard, right? And that dashboard really is more designed for the carrier and one of the things that you said there um, really resonates with me in that you know, we discovered that they want optics into looking at a book of business, at a por portfolio of business. You know, they can certainly drill into the company level and get some individual metrics and things like that. Um, but really being able to look at their book of business as a whole and based on the data that's coming in, being able to identify, you know, where that risk is being represented. And the interesting thing that we learned um, that, that was really kind of news to me, but probably old hat for you, given that, that you're embedded in the industry so deep, was 
um, insurance carriers understand that they can't eliminate risk, right? But they can insure good risk or they can insure bad risk. And so by providing them optics into, you know, here's what the data says uh, the risk is being represented in their book of business, but then also here are the, the customers that you have that are taking proactive steps, right? So those remediation actions that we talked about, the ability for uh, an insurance carrier to see, all right, so this company here, um, the data is showing us that there's a lot of risk represented based on you know the things that are coming out of the Make You, Make you Safe platform. However, we're also seeing that they are the most active company that we have in working to remediate that risk. And so that, to me, tells them that they're, that this company is a, is a good customer to work with, right? They have somebody that's really um, proactive and somebody that's really taking steps to reduce that risk. And so, therefore, that's some of the things that we're working on, right? A proprietary scoring system for how we score, you know, the, the weight of not only the risk that's coming in, but then also how do we... Um, how do we award those people that are taking the proactive steps to reduce that risk in a way that shows that they're, you know, that they're good risk versus bad risk, if that makes sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, so, uh, so, so I think that makes perfect sense. And, you know, just, just, just knowing where you guys are in your evolution. So, so you, you know, you talked about, um, engaging with, uh, some carrier partners as you were, you know, uh, developing your proof of concept. And, and I don't know if you can talk about this, but, but you, I, I know that you all are also, um, you know, in the middle of securing a, a funding round, um, to help the mission of protecting workers' lives. Now, you know, if, if, if you can talk a little bit about it, you know, you know, what are you, um, searching for in regards to strategic partners if there's anyone out there that's listening that that could potentially be a value here um and you know uh, what value do you see uh from having more carriers um as investors on your panel if you decide to take that approach yeah no, i appreciate the question i want to um be respectful of uh some of the sec uh regulations that, that prevent us from talking too deeply about uh fundraising but i think it's safe to say that you know, as a as a startup, uh, especially working on both a you know hardware and a software product, uh, it, it's capital intensive, and so there's there's always needs for you know a company to be looking for strategic partnerships, uh, for opportunities for other people to get involved, and so that's something that we're I think we're constantly doing, and that we're that is ongoing for us. And there's really a couple of ways that um, insurance companies have gotten involved. Uh, we certainly do have uh, uh, some of that represented on our cap table. Um, but then we also have pilot opportunities uh, for carriers that are looking to try out new technology, new products, a way to to uh, get involved with us and uh, kick the tires, if you will. So I think there's some opportunities there. Uh, and what we discovered that I think is maybe a little bit unique about the insurance industry or the insure tech industry as it's kind of growing here is I think carriers in general recognize that um, the opportunity to improve their business with technology uh, is something that uh, they, they can participate in and that they can um, you know take hold of or it's something that's gonna that's gonna pass them by right and then they'll be the, the followers into it and so even the folks that we have um, that are that are pretty deeply involved with the company and have supported us financially have done a really good job of you know helping to uh, make other connections within the insurance industry uh, with some of the, the people that they you know compete with and the people that they work with. Uh, just because they see it as a as an overall opportunity for the industry to move forward, so I think that's one thing that really has been, uh, you know, pleasantly surprising to us as a startup organization that there is that much willingness to co-collaborate and co-work with and 
um, to participate uh, between carriers, and then when multiple get involved with our startup, being you know willing to to help alongside the others, I think has been something that's incredibly refreshing. Absolutely. So you know, so you know, Gabe. So who do you see as your competitors in this space, and you know, how are you staying ahead of the competition as you continue to build out and design your both software and product? Yeah, I think. You know what we found so far is that there's really nobody that's that's apples to apples, you know, focused on what we're doing, and I think we're seeing a lot of that across insure tech. I think people are kind of picking off different pieces of it. You know, there's some folks out there, um, great organizations like Strongarm and Kinetic come to mind. You know, that are focused on uh, uh, human movement, lift quality, uh, providing haptic feedback and instant training on, you know, lifting and twisting motions or exoskeletons, things like that. Um, we've seen other products that are maybe more focused on the biometric side of things. You know, how, how is the employee faring in difficult situations? Um, you know, in our product, I think where, where it kind of is different is one, we recognize that um, environmental factors can play a significant role in the, in the safety, health, and happiness of employees. You know, there's been uh, many, many studies done on things as simple as lighting and how lighting can change the productivity and happiness and safety uh, for employees. And, uh, and so we recognize that sometimes it's a confluence of those factors that are leading to the risk in the facility. And that's what we wanted to focus on, or what are these things, these external factors. Um, and then we, you know, we wanted to be sensitive to of the worker and make sure that we're tracking things that, um, you know, are things that they're comfortable with. We always say, you know, our device is designed to, to look outward and really not inward at that person. We're not trying to figure out, you know, are they taking too many bathroom breaks? Um, you know, we won't see that with our device. Uh, but if they slip and fall in the bathroom, we'll be able to see that. So um, that's that's really the types of things that we're focused on. Yeah. So so just 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 knowing that, um, you know, what what does the the future of you know your your product look like in terms of growth? So so you gave the example of you know um, you know monitoring the the lighting and, and and so on, and you know so so as these types of you know new exposures come to light, are you all looking to uh, deploy that within the platform that you've created? Absolutely. So we're doing that in a couple of ways, Abel. Like, uh, for example, we're, we we obviously understand that sensor technology is rapidly improving, right? Over the last few years, sensors have gotten smaller, they've gotten better, um, they've gotten more power efficient, which is what allows us to be able to pack, you know, eight or nine different sensors into a tiny device about the size of a of a doorbell or or your thumb, and be able to put that on a on a worker and have a battery last, you know, uh, well beyond an average shift. Um, so we're seeing that we recognize that other sensors and things out there, other sensor technology that maybe isn't quite wearable yet uh, will be in the next maybe 24 or 48 months. And so we're always keeping our eye on that kind of technology. But we also said, you know, we've invested so much in Make You Smart as a platform. You know, we identify ourselves as a software as a service and data company first, right? We needed the hardware to be able to to gather this kind of data that's really never been gathered on a human being uh, for any length of time in the history of the world, right? That's really the innovative side of this. And, and that data just wasn't available without the hardware. Um, but we also recognize that there are many other great uh, hardware products that are being developed that don't have a place to live. And so you've got companies that are deploying other types of building sensors or machine sensors or, or facility sensors. And so we've designed our platform with that in mind, the ability to take other third-party sensors uh, that are transmitting data and be able to pull that into our platform to integrate that with the things that we're, that we're tracking and be able to build out other modules and metrics, um, maybe from third-party third, third um, data sources 
or third-party sensor sources. So we recognize that we have an opportunity to play uh, in a lot of different places by opening up our platform in, in that way to connect with other things. Absolutely. So, so just 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 thinking about you know what you mentioned around the future. So, uh, and also you know how you know you've become uh, an insure tech organization um, in your own right. So, you know, I I think about what you mentioned a little bit earlier, and that was how you know you started to um, either partner with carriers or get into to the insurance space, um, which you know will help the the value that a lot of these insurance organizations provide around workers' compensation. Now, you know, when when, when I think about the way that insurance companies are starting to engage with organizations like yours, um, it's to provide something in which they don't have a really great level of subject matter expertise, uh, you know, to uh, either their their policyholders, um, whether it's from a risk mitigation perspective or from, from a product perspective. And, and, and in this case, it's to, to do both, right, to, to help the policyholders leverage the product um, to, to mitigate risks on the floor of their facility. Now, you know, um, I, I, I say that because, you know, um, as I mentioned, you know, a lot of these insurance organizations are partnering with companies like yours to strengthen their value proposition. You know, so, you know, what do you see as the benefit of some of these large multi-billion dollar legacy carriers in working with insurtechs to, to meet the future needs and demands of their customers? I, I think the biggest demand that I see. And the interesting thing is this this hasn't changed over the ages. Even with technology developing uh, at such a rapid pace, the need for communication is still typically the number one uh, reason for a relationship falling apart between a company and a customer. And what we wanted to do was recognize that there's a significant opportunity to bridge that communication gap and get carriers more deeply involved in the the day-to-day world of their customers as it relates to building a safety culture and providing safety resources and tools to their customers. You know, so many of them have built um, or or created all of these resources that live on a on a website somewhere lost on the internet, um, and they just hope and assume that their customers will seek out those resources and consume those resources. Um, and then, you know, just talking to insurance carriers and, and asking them questions. You know, how do you guys typically lose policyholders? And uh, hearing that the, the exit interviews tell them it's lack of communication, right? They didn't feel like they were being talked to until, of course, they decided to go somewhere else or they were having a problem. And so how do we, how do we strengthen that relationship now? And how do we provide uh, an appearance and not, not even just an appearance, but an actuality of a, a proactive way of working with a customer to make sure that their employees are going home at the end of their shift. And I think ultimately you would ask any, any carrier out there um, that does worker compensation, that's their goal, right? Make sure that the workers go home to their families at the end of the night. And so it's really easy for them to align with our mission, which is you know, making the world safer through technology and data. I think any one of them can get behind something like that. A- absolutely, you know. Um, so, so I, I want to go back to something that you mentioned, and that's around, uh, you know, the, the the customer requirements around communication. You know, things have changed and, and shifted really significantly. Um, and recently, I'm not going to mention who this was, but you know, I, I got into a discussion with someone from a, you know, from from a legacy carrier or from a, uh, um, an incumbent, um, and uh, you know, I, I I kept mentioning the fact that hey, you know, we need to think exactly how you're thinking, Gabe, and that's you know, uh, uh, to the point that customers are. Customer expectations are changing, um, and they they want to you know engage much more closely with their insurance organizations, and not at just the one and a half time on average that they do per year, right? And that's when they're um, you know either uh, paying for their premium 
or when they have to file a claim, right? You know, so so the narrative that came back from this uh, this person from from this incumbent carrier was, well, you know, if we engage with our customers, you know, more than the handful of times that we do on a yearly basis, and, and nine times out of ten, you know, most customers aren't filing a claim anyway, so it it's really to pay that premium. Uh, you know, if we engage with them more than that, then that uh, puts them in the position to shop for another quote. Um, and, and to me, you know, Gabe, you know, that that felt like um, a, a rationale that was somewhat backwards, right, where, you know, you know, with with the changing customer expectations, with so many opportunities to provide more value to the customer, you know, to, to think that if we if we touch them one more time that they're going to go out and, and shop and, and we may potentially lose that account like that, that to me, that's the old way of thinking. So so the way that you all are, are, are sort of looking at uh, what, what you're doing, I, I think it's spot on to, to ensure that the communication is there and that so much signif- so much more significant value is being provided. Yo, I, I completely agree. I mean, we don't go out and shop for a new best friend because we're spending too much time and talking too much to our to our current best friend, right? That, that communication is what helps solidify and, and grow that relationship. It allows us to experience things together, to overcome challenges together. You know, all, all of that is the same in the business world. And the deeper that we can build those relationships and the more willing that a carrier is to come to the table and communicate in a way that their customers want, which is through technology and through resources that they're using on a daily basis to manage their, their day-to-day workflow, the more likely they are to build that relationship. So when you know they hear that commercial or they see that advertisement for another customer, they're going to go, yeah, they, they might be maybe a little bit cheaper, but I've got my guy. I like my people. They take care of me. They really are invested in me and invested in my success. And to, to see it any other way, um, I, I can't see that argument. I completely agree with you. I just don't see that, that argument uh, panning out. And, and I was so surprised. Um, and, and the reason why I was surprised was because, you know, even when that argument was made, that wasn't the first time that I've heard the argument, um, even within a carrier that, that I, uh, and, and again, I, I don't mention carrier names, but even within a carrier that I worked with in the past, um, you know, so it was, uh, it, it's just a, an interesting concept, uh, just knowing where things are changing to and where things are shifting to um, in the future. So, so you know, just, just, just talking about the future of the insurance industry and, and Knowing that you're providing sort of a new level of, of value to this industry, you know, you know, what do you see as what insurance is going to look like or provide to its policyholders and customers a couple of years down the line? I, I think one of the things that's changing a lot is transparency. I think uh, customers now have access uh, to more knowledge of their own business. Uh, I think they have more access to knowledge of the insurance industry. And I think they're starting to put those things together. And I think the carriers that are out at the forefront of that and trying to uh, create that transparency and be be a part of providing uh, innovative solutions um, that, that are leading, I think is gonna, is gonna bode well for those carriers that are out there and leading that charge. So I think transparency is one thing. I also see um, products shifting. Uh, what they'll look like, I don't know. I, you know, I'm fairly new to the insure tech world. We've been embedded with it now for you know, just a couple of years. And of course, my time as a mentor at the GIA, I, see, I consistently see innovative new products. Um, and, and I think as businesses continue to evolve, as we add automation, as we look to um, you know, autonomous um, 
you know, carts and vehicles and fork trucks and things. And, you know, to speak for the industry that I'm pretty embedded in, I think we're going to see a change in some of those things. And I think, you know, even the things that, that make you safe is gathering, the data that make you safe is gathering, I think is going to play a role in that future. So Gabe, you know, one of the questions that I always like to get the perspectives on, you know, just to make this real for the listeners of this podcast is, you know, if, if folks are listening to you and I speak here today, um, and if they want to go back to their roles and their offices and desks and, and just do things differently and innovate in the way that you all have innovated your space, you know, what advice would you give them to, to go back and just change the status quo? I, I think the thing that just is constantly at the forefront of my mind is the statistic of the number of people that lose their life in work accidents globally. You know, it's over a thousand a day. So that means in the two years that I've been working on this project, you know, three quarters of a million people haven't haven't gone home to their family for dinner at night. And that's too many. There, there, there has to be um, a focus on how do we provide products and services and insights and data to help improve that statistic. Uh, I think if we look at it on that kind of macro level and we realize that kind of impact that's out there, um, certainly if that number was happening in somebody's backyard, um, the whole world would be watching, right? But because it's spread across the whole world, um, it, it just kind of gets a little bit brushed under the rug. So I think if people are focused, especially in the worker work comp space, if people are focused on making sure that employees go home at the end of the day in as good or better condition as they came in, uh, I think it's exciting to think about the other things that will come out uh, in, in this industry that could be driven by the resources that an insurance company has to offer and provide. Absolutely. You know, so, so Gabe, you know, I want to say thank you for joining me here on the Insurance Innovators Unscripted podcast. If, if anyone wants to either learn more about Make You Safe or wants to, uh, you know, get in contact with you or your team, you know, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, well, first of all, thank you, Abel, so much for having me on and allowing me to share the story of Make You Safe. And I really appreciate what you're doing um, to you know, bring InsureTech to the forefront in the industry. I think it's people like you that are helping create successful startup companies like ours. So I really appreciate that. And the best way to reach me is uh, you can visit our website at makeyousafe.com. That's M-A-K-U-S-A-F-E.com. And my email address is Gabe, G-A-B-E, at makeyousafe.com. And I would say, too, people always ask me, is it, is it Make You Safe? Is it Maku Safe? Uh, well, it's a little it's a little play on words. So Maku, M-A-K-U, is Hawaiian for risk. And so our goal is to reduce and eliminate risk. So we kind of did a little play on the word and we put a line over the A and pronounce it make you safe. Um, but anybody that comes to me and says Maku safe, uh, I, I go with that as well. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. I, I didn't realize that in, in regards to the play on the words. So, um, so, hey, Gabe, you know, you know, one, once again, thank you. I, I appreciate you, uh, you know, talking to me here today. And, and I'm, I'm absolutely positive that the, uh, the listeners are going to get a lot of value from our discussion here today. Mr. Travis, I thank you for your time. Appreciate it. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening again to this episode of the Insurance Innovators Unscripted Podcast. You know, throughout the last 45 episodes, I've Hope that those that may be listening for the first time or those that might have listened to all 45 are truly getting a lot of value out of the discussions that we're having here. So, you know, again, I just want to extend my thanks for you listening. I truly appreciate it. I'll see you next week.